Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, good morning, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Feed and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, we start off every Monday morning with the fabulous, wonderful Dr. Andy. Dr. Andy, what's up on this Monday morning? Hello, hello. Good to be here as always. Yes. Working, working, working. That's all you do is work. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to ask you before we get into today, what we're going to talk about today is, is your dog a carnivore or an omnivore? Okay, because there's a little confusion out there. And then let's talk about cats a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you this question, though, because I hear it a lot in the chiropractic world. What is a luxating patella? We talked about this the other day. Yes, that's why I wanted to bring it out because I was like, what is a luxating patella? Because I hear it. Now, you know, we do throw those terms around, right? And I think they're even thrown at owners, and the owners are like, okay, we have that. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. So, a dog's knee is essentially designed like our knee. I mean, there's very minimal differences, you know, it flexes and extends, not to the extent that ours does. But we have quadriceps, we have a patella in the quadricep tendon that goes through a groove in our knee. And that's exactly how it works in dogs. That patella, that little triangle bone that sits inside a tendon is supposed to slide nicely in this little groove in your dog's knee. Most big dogs, it's just fine. Most little dogs, the theory is that groove is too shallow. And so that little bone in that tendon does a little slippy, slippy in and out of that groove. It can go inside, which is medial. It can go outside, which is lateral. So you could have medial luxating patellas. You can have lateral luxating patellas. Usually the lateral ones are uh, much more painful, much more difficult to deal with. Most of our little dogs um, have medial luxating patellas. And they're graded by your veterinarian. I think it's one through four. I, I don't know. Um, and of course, when it gets graded, it's turned into such a big deal. Uh, my point of view, medial luxating patellas on your little dog is not a big deal. Now, it depends on how severe it is, blah, blah, blah. Um, my little Miss Molly Brown, who's six pounds of fury, has a luxating patella. It's worse on the left than the right. And she skips down the street and has for the last 10 years. And it has <laughs> And it has not changed. So they can have this where um, sort of like a, the, the gets out of joint or gets out of the space that it's supposed to be in, but it's not necessarily painful. Not necessarily. No, um, it can be. And when you have something that's sliding in and out of that groove and it's kind of bumping and, and hitting the sides, it can get more inflamed. And so if that starts to happen, then you have inflammation in that tendon. That tendon is now quote unquote bigger. And so it's doing even more luxating. So, you know, you do want to keep an eye on it uh, and, and, you know, and make sure nothing is changing in there. You can also have traumatic 
event. And I have met some bigger dogs, like medium-sized dogs, like a, a Wheaton. Um, some of the medium-sized doodles will have this knee that's luxating. And I'm like, well, the other one is great. This one feels inflamed. Did something happen? You can have somebody, you know, get that, you know, hit or just running too much or whatever. And it gets a little inflamed and it'll do some luxating. Now, what I have found in chiropractic is you also have a rotated pelvis. When that pelvis is rotated towards the side that's luxating more, you will have just, you can't see it. It is minimal. It's almost on like energetic level. You'll have a little bit of slack in that tendon, which allows that patella to move a little bit more. So Miss Molly Brown, she may be skipping down the street, but she's always been adjusted. So it's been managed her 10 years, right? We've kept the inflammation down. Um, her mom knows how, you know, is looking at it. So if you have a little dog with luxating patellas, create that relationship with the animal chiropractor and get them in there. Handful of times a year, have someone make sure that pelvis is not rotated. Make sure those lumbars aren't getting tight because of it. Because it is, you are going to have compensatory changes in gait because of it. But if we manage it this way, unlike conventional vets, where I've watched webinars, I've watched stuff on this. Oh, it's always going to progress. Ah, but they don't throw chiropractic into the mix. That's just if nothing is done. And if anything's done, it's usually starting with NSAIDs, which in the long term degrade, degrades joints. It may be great at managing pain, but they, it also degrades joints. And so, yes, you're going to have it um, get worse over the years. It's so crazy that uh, uh, medications are developed um, supposedly to help the thing that they actually destroy. Yes. Pretty much every single one of them. I was reading a, all your, all your heart meds. I don't know them very well cause additional heart issues, but they're very good at that one symptom that they're supposed to manage. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we have to look at those, um, side effects. We really do need to get that informed consent, which we don't get, I talk about this all the time, no informed consent. And if you're not asking what are the drawbacks to this medication, uh, then you could be setting your pet up for some serious problems later on. Absolutely. Yes. And I Absolutely. wonder sometimes, Dr. Andy, do they even know, do, do the vets know what the, what the cons are, what the devastating side effects are? Unfortunately, I don't think so. I don't think that big pharma rep that comes in with the box of donuts goes into that much depth when they're selling the meds, right? They're the docs are most, I'm sorry to tell you folks, most of their education about the pharmaceutical, especially the new ones after they leave school is the rep comes in and goes, Hey, start prescribing this for X, Y, Z. And they go, okay, that's it. So when that dog comes in with X, Here's your pill. Do they know that X is going to cause symptom one, two, three, four, five? I don't know. Maybe some of them educate themselves, but unfortunately, I don't think they have the time or the energy to do that. 
What a great industry. So you have everyone from big pharma who has liability and you march yourself into a vet's office and you say, hey, here's how I can make your life simple. When you see this problem, just diagnose this pill. And what we know um, from talking to many vets and our daughters that that is really what people want. They just want a solution. So I have a pill and, and all is going to be good. Yeah, because it's easy. Mm. We really need to get over being weak and lazy. Well, we need a t-shirt that says convenience kills. It does. Pretty much in every incident. Right. I mean, I was just reading about uh, the fake food coming along and I will do an email on this, but the glyphosate, all of the dirty stuff that is in this fake meat that they want to shove out there, the impossible burgers and everything else. And it has nothing to do, as they say, with the vegan mindset, right? Because it's supposed to be all plant matter. But what it is, is all crap matter. What it is, is all toxic stuff and seed oils and genetically modified. And it's it's really very frightening. Very, very frightening. Very frightening. And the the, the seed oils are downright deadly, if you you guys don't know about that out there. And yeah, that's on my list of emails and articles to get out too. I heard a great little rule of thumb. I don't, I forget where that you shouldn't buy anything with more than five ingredients. So everything in the fake food realm has how many? I can look at that impossible burger list of ingredients and go, I'm just going to go buy the hundred percent beef where the ingredient list says beef. I'm going to go with that because I can't pronounce some of this. I don't know what some of this is. And there's like 20 things in here and that's ridiculous. Right. Right. And, and just the idea, Andy, that somebody could, a private company could be in charge of the majority of our food, that should scare the, the sphincter off of you. So why doesn't it? Scares the, it scares the bejesus out of me. I, I don't know. I think that um, there are just still too many people that believe that these people don't don't want to hurt us. And maybe they don't have our best interest, right? They don't have our best interest. They They have their interest. And even if you look at it from this standpoint, they're not trying to kill you. They're trying to earn a buttload of money and killing you is just a side thing. (laughs) Okay. Right. And they want to do it really slow and long and make as much money for their big pharma friends. So you could be on as many medications as possible. We don't want you dying right away. That would be not enough cash. That would just be silliness. They wouldn't make any money. Why would we want you to die right away? We want you to die a slow, long death. Right. Where you feel mediocre and live out the most minimal, sad life you can possibly live out. Yeah. And so many people may say that we're being negative, but we're just being truthful. And if that is negative, then it is. I mean, we got to open our eyes. And, and, you know, I think that people will open their eyes for their pets before they'll open their eyes for themselves, sort of like for their kids, right? I see a lot of yes. people feed them. In our customer base, I do see people that will feed their animals better than they feed themselves. And to that, we say, thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And I am guilty of that for a very long time. Yeah. Well, let's guilty let's talk about Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, who these animals are. 
Um, because there, there really are three different types of animals. Uh, there's herbivores, omnivores, and carnivores. Let's talk about those herbivores first. Those are the ones that are trying to turn into fake meat. <laughs> that, instead of eating herbivores, yes, you were eating fake meat. Um, herbivores, basically, you know, your cows, your goats, your lambs, the ones that are like chewing on the grass, chewing on the grass swallowing it down, regurgitating it, chewing on the grass. But these herbivores are the only ones that can digest plant matter. And they don't actually do the digesting. They just happen to have the bacteria in their guts that can digest it for them. Nice. Isn't that fascinating? It is. We as humans can't really digest and assimilate plant matter as well as I think we even think we can. We really only get part of it. We're really designed to digest meat at a much better, higher, more bioavailable rate. And then I assume cows digested the grass. They don't even do that. They just happen to have the bacteria and the bacteria has the enzymes that can, and they assimilate it. And then we eat their meat, which then we can assimilate that. So Dr. Paul Saladino would love what you just said. The carnivore MD. <laughs> Just like Dr. Saladino, I went from SAD, the standard American diet. I took this program. It was all five element Chinese information. It, it was all 99% vegan. I cleaned up my diet. Holy moly, dropped a bunch of weight, was feeling great for about six months. And then the bottom fell out and I felt horrible horrible. And then every, you know, I'd have just one piece of chicken and I feel like so much better. I'm like, that's just chicken. You know, now that I've like swung and drive my husband nuts. Like I swung the whole pendulum over to the carnivore side of things, feeling much better, getting really, really clear on what bothers me and what doesn't, um, feeling much better in general. I still have stuff I'm working on, but wow. Yeah. If you go from sad to vegetarian, vegan, and you clean up all that crap out, you are going to feel better. If you listen to some of the carnivore podcasts out there and how easy it actually is to regenerate and work with the ruminants on the land to actually create and feed the world much better and how much growing all these plants is depleting our soils. It's very fascinating. I don't have all those facts. I've just listened to a few things, but it's like, cause that was, I, that was part of what I was doing it, right? I bought the narrative of, you know, less animal products, better for the environment. It's shockingly really not. Right. As you said the other day, everything I thought was a lie. <laughs> everything I have believed in has turned out to be a lie. Right. Oh, it still gives me goosebumps when I look at it like, oh, yeah. And I think people need to start looking at it. Yeah. It, it, as uncomfortable as it may themselves. be. Right. Yes. As but, un- and educate themselves. It also may free you up to do other things once you decide that maybe the narrative wasn't what you thought it was. Um, So, you know what, Dr. Andy, there's a, there's a lot of people that are vegans and therefore they feed their dogs, not to mention their cats, a Mm -hmm. vegan diet. We are projecting our points of view onto a critter that is just going to go along with it no matter what. And we live in a, a society, a reality that 
you can eat the complete wrong diet for you. We have supplements, we have pills and you will still live. Now, are you living the optimal diet? Are you feeling the best? Is your dog's cognitive function at its highest? What is their behavior like? What is their energy level like? But if they've always been fed a vegan diet, you're not going to know what else vitality looks like for them. Do I you, think they can live on it. They're not going to be vital on that. They're not going to thrive on that. They're not going to be them best selves on that. I So here, here would be my question. How are they supporting the heart, right? Mm-hmm. Because they cannot make their own taurine um, without those amino acids. Well, they feed a vegan kibble. Yeah. Right. They're still on the kibble. They're still resprayed. It's a vegan kibble. They're just resprayed with all these synthetic vitamins that are hardly bioavailable. And like I said, the animal is probably skimping by. So do you have any vegan dogs that you adjust? I don't think I do. You know, it'd be very interesting is to look at. I have a dog on Rachel Ray kibble, which is essentially a vegan diet because. That is, that is some, some bad stuff right there. That's bad stuff. That's some bad, bad stuff. stuff. I'll put that in there with old Roy, but I, I would imagine, I can't imagine that a dog would have good muscle tone on no. a vegan diet. I just, I don't see it. What we I, do see is when these dogs come off of a kibble diet or a substandard prescription diet, right. Or any of those that don't have real meat in them, that their muscle tone is nothing like what we see in the dogs that are fed a species appropriate meat, bone, organ, and fat diet. Oh, absolutely not. I'm sure they're psychopenic, which where they have no muscle mass on their limbs. They have this probably sway back, this pot belly that you see on these dogs that have no muscle mass and which a lot of senior dogs end up looking like, but I got to get you guys a video of my 14 and a half tripod Jack Russell. You should see his muscle on his butt. You should, he is not really all real big in the front. Like he's amazing. He's in rock bed and he's had three legs his entire life. And he, he looks great. So yeah, when you have no muscle mass on the limbs, you've got this sway back, you've got this pot belly, they're losing muscle on the top of their head. People ask me all the time, why, where did this spot come on the top of their head? This, this protrusion. I'm like, Oh, that's always there. You just don't have the muscle mass around it anymore. Um, because the body, if not getting proper nutrition and the proper amount of bioavailable protein will take it from its own muscle and it will start cannibalizing its own muscles to provide that to the body. That almost sounds like a Cushing's dog. When you look at that, uh, profile, when you have a sway back and you have a pop belly, I mean, that that's what those Cushing dogs, that's a sick dog. Why would you want your dog, dog to look like that? Cause we're used to seeing sick dogs. We're used to seeing fat dogs. We're used to seeing sick dogs and somehow we've normalized it. We are amazing how we can adapt, but I hope that we stop doing that. Stop mm-hmm. adapting. All right. So let's talk about carnivores, which is what these dogs are. Um, Mm -hmm. So Dr. Andy, if in your article, you talk about their physiology and their physiology really does substantiate the raw diet, why they should be on the raw diet. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, So I learned a new term called facultative. Say it again facultative carnivore, which means that a being would prefer to be a carnivore. 
but has integrated other foods, not by choice, but by necessity. So in my limited knowledge, that is what humans are. We are facultative. And so are our canines. They're facultative. They can eat a berry, right? That's always the argument, right? Well, the right. wolves eat the berries out there. Well, not if they can catch some rabbit or take down a baby deer. They're not eating the berries, okay? Um, they rarely even pull birds out of the sky. That's why I've moved away from even feeding raw fowl to my dogs. We have gone very much to the ruminants, to the herbivores, to the beef, to the lamb, um, so that the digestion of that plant matter is really integrated into the meat. Um, but so facultative, not by choice, by necessity, you know, they can't get fresh meat. They're going to go through the trash. Um, they're only going to get some scraps. And some of that is, you know, sweet potatoes from their owners. Okay. You know, back in the day before we had commercial kibble and so on and so forth, basically what makes them carnivores is, well, look at those pointy teeth. Those teeth are Oh my gosh, if I had a nickel for every owner's like, my dog won't chew their food. No, they're not designed to chew their food. Very few will sit there and chew their food. Every once in a while, you have one that does, you know, you have one that enjoy, you know, is chewing on stuff, but they're not. Those teeth are sharp. They're pointy. They're designed to rip, shred, swallow. They're not designed to chew. And even if they did chew, they don't even have the enzymes in their mouth to digest starches carbohydrates, plant matter. They have no amylase in their mouth. We at least have amylase in our mouth. We can start that digestive process a little bit. Um, so they're not digesting anything in their mouth like that kibble, which is mostly starch and carbohydrates. Hence why kibble sticks to their teeth and rots out their teeth. But that's another. Well, they have the very short digestive tract. Too. Yes, the digestive. Yes, the short digestive tract. Which Absolutely. is is why we say um, you don't really have to worry about the bacteria load. Okay. Right. <laughs> it, right. it goes in, it, it a short digest. I mean, compared to ours, think about how long yeah, but, our digestive tract is. Which is still shorter than an herbivore. So we're still in between. The herbivores have four stomach. Ruminants have four stomachs, and they're a subset of the herbivores. They have stomachs and, and you know, digestive ends, di intestines. Theirs are super long. Ours is kind of in between. But yes, our our cats and dogs and probably lions and wolves have very short digestive tracts. They don't want the stuff in there fermenting. It just needs to pull out the nutrients and get out, and leave the rest the rest behind. And then you've got our kitty cats, right? Our kitty cats are just oh. like the tigers, the leopards, the lions, well, as you say. They share 99%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Siberian the, tiger. Yeah, it's amazing. So a lot of people will say to me, well, I'm not going to feed my cat beef because they don't really take down um, beef. Uh, and I'm like, well, it depends on size because I guarantee you that your tigers and your leopards, they're going to take down. Uh, oh. uh, you know, yeah, we'll take down a wildebeest. You get a couple of those lionesses together. They're taking down a good size of wildebeest to feed the pride. And they're taking down the deer. They're taking down mm -hmm. all of those mm -hmm. different things. So it really does depend on the size um, yeah. of what you can take down, but that does not mean that you wouldn't eat that. Now, what I tell everybody is that your cats can eat everything that the dogs eat minus the plant matter. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, if you really look at a cat that's outside and that hunts, does your black cat go outside and hunt? They don't because they don't want to. <laughs> they are the funniest two cats in the world. They go out, roll around on the concrete and run back in. That's it. So no, they don't. And that was by choice. And when they came to live with me, I'm like, all right, are we indoor, outdoor? What are we doing here? You get to choose. And they have very little interest going out. Um, they, it's my own personal anecdotal experiment with cats. Cause I had cats back in the day that ate kitten caboodle and nine lives and died at 10 of diabetes and just, you know, dandruff and, you know, just fat and just the usual cat. Right. And then I took a break from cats. We didn't, I didn't have any for like seven, eight years, something like that. And I got these two kittens off of a um, small little ranch in Parker. So they were never in the shelter. They, I'm going to out myself. They were never vaccinated. Um, and they came to me healthy and mama was teaching them how to hunt outside. They were going in and out. They were probably fed kibble too. Um, but they came to live with me at nine weeks and we went raw. Boom. I tell you, raw fed dogs are amazing. Raw fed cats are unbelievable. The little poops, the pee doesn't smell bad. There's no hairballs. Your cats mm. should not be puking. They are not supposed to puke. The reason they puke, which is so fascinating, is if you are, if they're kibble fed, I tell people, if you can at least get them to can fed, I'd, I'd do a little happy dance for them, get them off that kibble. But if they are kibble fed, it lowers the pH in their stomach. When that actually it raises the pH in the stomach, it's not as low, not as acidic, because it has to be that acidic to digest their own hair. Mm. When it's not that acidic, the hair comes back up. That's why they throw up. They should not throw up. Um, I clean up one hairball from two cats about maybe every quarter. They don't have dander. The people that are highly allergic to cats can come in the house and go, why aren't I dying? They're the raw fed cats. You know, people don't believe that. And yet we have uh, customers that have been very allergic to dogs or cats. They get them on the raw diet and they say the same thing. But people who haven't tried it don't really understand that. Right. No. And it is so true that it totally changes their insides and their outsides. And I find it interesting that we have a whole uh, industry built around drugs for hairballs. <laughs> I suppose we do. I didn't even think about that because I haven't needed them. But I remember back in the day putting Vaseline on my cat's paw. So he would lick it so he wouldn't get hairballs. Oh, my God. I was killing my cat. Like, you don't purposely put petroleum products on yourself or in anything. And I was literally giving him that to like half of those hairball remedies, either Vaseline or that gray liver. Oh, whatever was in that tube that I used. That's petrol. That's a Vaseline base. That's petroleum base. It's motor oil refined a few extra times. People, that's all that is. Don't use it. So cats are obligate carnivores. They only need meat. This is so well known. Like, I think all our vets would probably regurgitate obligate carnivores. Yes, here's your kibble. The disconnect amazes me. Amazes me. Everyone will regurgitate those two words about cats, right? Obligate carnivores should only eat meat. But here's your KD who had for their kidney problems because we got to lower the protein for kidneys. 
which is a big lie that is perpetrated through veterinary and traditional medicine to us and to our animals every single day. It's just repeated. It's not true. Protein is not hard on the kidneys. It's not true, people. There's no studies that prove it. There's nothing in the literature. It is just something that has been repeated and has been believed. Well, I can tell you this, that our cat customers have healthy cats. We've got an inappropriate food for cats, first of all, right? So it's dry. Uh, It raises the pH so they cannot digest the hairballs. And their kidneys are susceptible to all types of issues from it. But hey, that's okay. We're just going to keep prescribing it. We're going to keep pushing it out there. And I will say this, that I do believe that cats are very um, finicky when it comes to textures and things like that. So, you know, they may not like a blend one day and they may like it the next, but you don't give up. You don't give up and go back to kibble. People give up way too early. And it's, I'm sorry, we're back to being, you got to put in the work people. And yes, there are cats that you may not get them to raw if they are that addicted to kibble. I've had some cats, you throw down the raw, they're like, where Mm -hmm. are my Skittles? I want my Skittles. I'm addicted (laughs) to that. I want the high from that. I need to eat my Skittles. Where are they? And so that's why if you can start from day one, like you get a kitten in the door, don't buy any kibble, put the raw down. Right. What I did with mine, they switched. I am, I'm a little paranoid. Like they have not gotten canned. They have not gotten like one of those Skittle treats. Like I do not want them to taste a carbohydrate because then they'll be like, Oh, you have something better. That's a nicer high. Um, than just the raw meat, which, but so they don't get any of that. Like I have raw feeding people that then buy like the whisker lickens cookies. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? So don't give them those things, whatever that is. And why is it that color? We talked about in farmer's dog, when we talked about that mm-hmm. on the carbohydrate podcast, the amount of spinach that's in all of their recipes is not a good idea. People spinach is high in these oxalates. And the one thing that doctors know about with oxalates is they bind with calcium and cause the stones, bladder, kidney stones, the oxalate, the calcium oxalate stones, which are the most common in our animals and in us. So if you're feeding spinach every single day in a food or just because you like spinach or you're eating it every day, you might want to stop. Actually, I tell you, you probably need to stop. So Popeye Uh-oh. was wrong? Popeye was wrong. Completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Oxalates do if you're sensitive as a person, which, hey, it may do the same thing in dogs, I don't know, is it will build up in your brain. It'll build up in your digestive tract. It actually slices cell membrane. And some of us are more oxalated sensitive than others. You know what the other big food that's oxalated, oxalate heavy? Turmeric. Oh, wow. Isn't that fascinating? Because I was using turmeric. We use it for an anti-inflammatory, right? It's in so many of our dog supplements. We add it to their food. Get out there, educate yourself, look up oxalates. Yeah, that's why That's why I'm a big proponent of what you said earlier, a very short ingredient list in your dog's mm-hmm. food, right? So you've got mm-hmm. the protein, you've got the organs, you've got the bone. In some of our blends, you're going- and the fats naturally occurring in most of it. And then you've got yeah. your tripe, which is what? It's one of those stomachs of the cow, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's one of the stomachs of, of a ruminant animal. It doesn't have to be the cow, um, but ours is. It's the, yeah. the beef. The vast majority are beef. You can find lamb. Yeah, we had lamb for a while, but lamb, you know, as everything, you know, we used to be able to get uh, pig brains. We used to be able to get. I love those. I did too. Love those. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of weird things that are going on in the, um, in the, in our food supply. Yeah. And so you can't get certain things anymore, but those were amazing. Just get basic, right? There's so many things that are coming out. Dr. Andy, I see it all the time that foods that are just filled with all sorts of stuff. And you have to say, why, why do we need all that? Um, I would rather have clean food, meat, bones, organ, and fat, try maybe a double protein. And then you can add what you see fit. If you need Mm -hmm. to add something, you can do it, but you can't take it out. You can't take it out. And I bring this up because I think that's what they're going to do when they start bringing in this fake meat for people, right? They're going to start selling us on, we've got everything in here that you need to be healthy. Really? Because the last time I checked, I don't think glyphosate was helping me on any level whatsoever. Seed oils, not helping me, which is a podcast that we need to do because a lot of people aren't familiar with seed oils. They're not. And, not. and how dangerous they are to our bodies. Well, so and when you go to a species appropriate meat-based diet, you take out a lot of the glyphosates right then and there. It, they're just, they're not, they've already been digested. It's already been processed by the other animal if they happen to get some of it. So the exposure and the levels and all of that just drops dramatically and you don't have to think about it, right? It, Um, And beans, particularly garbanzo beans. So all of the, I'm not, I don't have a point of view about grain or not grain free kibble. They all suck. Um, But your grain free kibbles that are all pea based, bean based, all of that are probably higher in glyphosate. Garbanzo beans are one of the highest out there, even organic, just by osmosis. They may have never been sprayed, but that field collected it. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So here's how you know, guys, if your pet that's there in your home, your four-legged animal, that one that you're looking at, this is how you can tell if they need to be on a species-appropriate diet. They have a short, simple digestive tract. That digestive tract is not equipped to break down tough cell walls from plants. Also, the eyes. Look at your dog's eyes. The eyes, yes. Right in the front of their head, they have increased depth perception for hunting. Now, they may not hunt because they've been domesticated, but that doesn't mean that their eyes have changed, Dr. Andy. Have you seen any dog's eyes change over the last hundred years? (laughs) No, no. And in comparison to people know what we're talking about, horses don't have eyes on the front of their head. They're on the side. And they can see, I think, 180 degrees, if not more around them. So they don't get eaten. We have predators in our homes, cats, dogs, horses are prey. You just got to outrun the slowest person. All right. That's all you have to do. Sit (laughs) or take out another person, whichever, you know. Right. Trip them. Whoops. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, What else uh, helps you to understand that your dog is a carnivore? Strong, wide-opening jaws, which cannot move side to side to capture prey and tear flesh. Rip, shred, tear, 
and swallow, swallow. right? Yeah. This, we're not experimenting with cocaine. We're experimenting with food. Right. I try love that. something. <laughs> Just try it. You can always go back. It's all right. Yeah. It, it's so funny. It's almost like my teenage boys that wouldn't ask a girl out. They assume the first date's going to lead to marriage. You know, you can try some things. You can go back. You can, you know, try this for a little bit. Oh, that didn't work. Um, I gave Torchy a chicken neck. He used to chew them. This last time he swallowed it whole. It came back up in vomit. Okay. Lesson learned. Let's do something different next time. Do I need to cut it up? Do we need to go to chicken feet? Like you just ebb and flow and shift and change. Not a big deal, folks. Yeah, it's it's super it's super easy. And that's what we try to say. It's going to be a tweak. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe with the rabbit blends, because they have that fur in it, maybe they're going to regurgitate it. They won't always regurgitate it. I promise you that they'll get used to it. Carnivores, true carnivores eat fur, eat skin. Absolutely. They have to. Absolutely. <laughs> they had to. Absolutely. It, it, most cats. When we had our cats, they would, you know, take the heads off of the mm -hmm. the uh, squirrels and the rabbits and the um, and the birds and the mice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably mm -hmm. going for the taurine yep. in the brain. But in the brain, I mean, yep. obviously, there's a lot of fur on that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and a but lot of bone. Have you Perhaps. ever have you ever tried a duck head with your cats? Not with the cats. I have the seen dogs love them. I've seen the feral cats out there uh, because look how pointed those cats' teeth are. They're like little needles. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are so pointed, so sharp. I've seen kittens go after duck feet. I have videos of it. Our customers, duck feet, duck heads, um, like you can't imagine. And they're able to rip, shred, and tear those in nothing mm -hmm. flat. Make sure they're thawed. Make sure they're thawed out, you know, put them in a bowl of water where they're rubbery, where you can like play with their beaks and their tongue, the, the duck's tongue stick out. Right. I scared my house cleaner once with them in the sink. She well, was used to lots of things in the sink, but the duck head, she kind of squealed. <laughs> Sorry about that. Right. People do get freaked out about that sort of stuff. But hey, tell everybody before we go, you've got something going on on Tuesday nights that everyone could be involved in. I am jumping into the deep end of the pool, which I like to do. Um, but on my YouTube channel, Dr. Andy's World, um, starting September 27th, I'm going to do a weekly Q&A about feeding raw. Easy, low, low stress. Come with your questions, just come and lurk and listen. You know, if you want to stick your little toe in, just come and listen. If you've been feeding raw and you, you've got a little bit of an, a speed bump, bring your questions. We'll go through that. Um, this is just starting. So I may be there with me and two people in the beginning. But so I would love for you guys to come and join um, and ask all your questions. I wanted something easy, maybe a little less overwhelming for people to start. And, you know, you've been doing this a while and you just have this one thing that you can't, you just need some, bounce it off somebody. Um, are, are you missing something or whatever? So it's on YouTube. We're going to go live. It'll be 6 p.m. Um, Mountain Standard Time. So if you're in Denver at 6 p.m. And it starts the 27th, September 27th. And we're going to do it every week. Um, so come join me. Let's see what we can grow. Invite your friends that maybe you've been trying 
get to go raw and they're just resisting you because, well, you're your friend or family, right? Like what family ever listens to you? Um, bring in that third party validation. Have them come hear it from me. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to say, hey, just come over and listen or uh, mm-hmm. tell them about the success that you're having with your animals. Nothing yeah. speaks volumes like that. Absolutely. So yeah. you you can get a um, a proper canine diet consultation from Dr. Andy. If you have questions um, for Dr. Andy, you can always email me at info at rawdogfoodandco.com. We'll answer right here on the podcast. Get your dogs on a species appropriate diet. You've got to get that done, guys. Get them off the processed foods. Get them off the genetically modified foods. Get them off the glyphosates because they're there. People want to ask me all the time, you know, uh, talk about bacteria. And I'm like, listen, your dog's designed for the bacteria that is in a species appropriate diet. They are not designed for the glyphosates and all of the processed foods that's in the biggest market in the world, which is the dry dog food. So get over to rawdogfoodandco.com. If you are overwhelmed, hit that overwhelm button right there on the contact page, because here at rawdogfoodandco.com, your pet's health is our business and friends don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.